Welcome to the Antler VC cast. Antler is a global early stage VC investing in the world's most exceptional people who are building the groundbreaking tech companies of tomorrow. I'm Pooja Barwani and together with UC Salavara, we host the Antler VC cast, a show dedicated to learning from the best in the global tech and VC ecosystem. In the series called Stories of Exceptional People, we speak to founders, entrepreneurs, investors, and leaders in the tech and business world. We discuss building and scaling startups, unique investment approaches, tech trends, entrepreneurship mindsets, fundraising, and so much more. Today we have with us Nicole Quinn, a partner at Lightspeed Ventures, an iconic Silicon Valley fund that has $10 billion in assets under management. Nicole focuses on early stage consumer internet and fintech companies with a portfolio that includes mental wellness app Calm, Gwyneth Paltrow's Goop, Lady Gaga's House Laboratories, cult shoe brand Rothy's, Zola and Girlboss. Welcome to the show, Nicole Quinn. It's so nice to have you here. Thank you so much for having me today. Great to have you with us, Nicole. Um, so, so tell us, like, just for the audience and benefit of everyone, uh, would love to hear more about your background story. You know um, how how you came to the world of venture. I believe you're British, right? But then you're now in the Bay Area, etc. So, how did you how did you come to the world of VC and uh, you know, what are your some of your proudest accomplishments um, in this wonderful world of startups? You are absolutely right that I am um, originally from England. Um, my father is actually Australian um, and has been an entrepreneur since he was about 16 years old. Um, he moved to England and um, I grew up there, but I've actually been in the U.S. now for 10 years. So I think that my accent is a mishmash of American, Australian and English at this point. Um, so for me, um, having a very entrepreneurial father was definitely um, – Something that factored into um, in my love of entrepreneurship um, and working in venture capital today. Um, I helped him working on online pharmacies. Um, you know, we were building online pharmacies in the 1990s. Um, and so definitely learned a lot um, through that. It was a little bit ahead of its time. Um, <laughs> and so some great lessons to be learned on that front. Um, I then right, went and right. spent nearly a decade um, at Morgan Stanley um, and loved it because I got to, um, it was mainly equity research and um, sales and got to cover, first of all, the e-commerce names like Net-A-Porte, Ukes, ASOS, mm. and um, then moved to New York uh, where we did the Facebook, Groupon, and Pandora IPOs. So it was fascinating working with those companies, meeting them a couple of years before IPO, really working with them around the story um, yeah. and creating a household brand name um, with those companies. You know, they definitely were at that point by the time they were IPOing. Mm. Um, but meanwhile, I've been angel investing um, and I right. probably for, you know, eight of those years have been angel investing and loved it. Um, I loved working with right, founders on right. hiring and strategy and helping them realize, you know, their vision. Um, and so I left Morgan Stanley. I carried on angel investing. Right. I went to a fintech startup actually in Europe, <laughs> right. uh, Nutmeg. It's uh, Europe's equivalent of ah, Wealthfront nice. and Betterment. And um, awesome. then I went to business school out in California. Um, and it was at Stanford that I started my own startup and pitched it to Lightspeed. 
and built a relationship with Lightspeed through that. Um, so a couple of years later, I then um, joined Lightspeed, which was five years ago now, and have invested in companies like Calm and Cameo, uh, Lunch Club, um, some great UK companies like Multiverse and um, Virtual Trips, which is now called HeyGo, um, and uh, CleanCo. Um, so really excited to talk about some of those companies today. Nice and very nice. Uh, you are sort of, sorry, sorry, Puja, I just must ask. Like uh, Morgan Stanley was in London, right? Uh, London and New York. At least. Right, right. Yeah. So uh, I think we must have been in the same building at the same time then, because I was also at Canary Wharf uh, in in London with with Morgan um, at some point. But uh, awesome, Puja. Yes. No, I was going to say, so your journey from founder to VC, you know, you've also very publicly spoken about the importance of diversity on various levels. Women in VC are far and few, and you're one of them. Um, what are some of the ways in which, you know, getting this getting this message across of having diversity on various levels, not just gender? How are you doing this uh, right now in Silicon Valley? First of all, actions speak louder than words. So um, we want to be putting this in action um, in everything that we do. So um, first of all, I'd say, like, what does diversity mean to us? Diversity to us is, you know, diversity of experience, diversity of background, diversity of opinion. Um, and so people do focus on, you know, um, more like diversity of background, but I would say that it's um, it's everything, right? And you really want to have that true diversity um, across all different areas, all aspects around the table, because that helps make a partnership table stronger, helps make a boardroom stronger. Um, and that's when you make the best decisions, when you do have um, true diversity. Um, and you know, we see that at Lightspeed. We now have a third of our investors um, as women. And um, we have um, three African-American partners um, and I mean, my gosh, like, you know, yeah, I think that uh, our decision making is so much stronger as a result of having this diversity. And so that's internally at Lightspeed. And then with regards to our portfolio companies, um, we've asked all of our companies to sign a letter which says that, you know, whenever you're hiring for an, for an executive position or um, a board position, um, please consider all underrepresented minority groups. Um, and so that means that people don't just instantly hire people like themselves or instantly just hire people within their own network, they really have to say, wait a minute, are we considering all underrepresented minority groups here? Um, and making sure that we widen the funnel um, so that we are not, you know, as I say, just hiring folks like ourselves. It makes better decisions. That's um, insanely important. And, uh, you know, we have very much the same mission at Antler. 41% of our uh, portfolio companies have a female founder. We're sort of very proud proud of that. So we're good. fighting the same fight. Um, <laughs> but um, th there's another topic I wanted to hear, you know, you speak about a bit, which is, you know, you cover both the US and Europe, if I understand correctly. And you're very yeah. much also looking outside kind of the Bay Area for investments. Um, so, you know, how, how do you see Europe, the U.S., like how do you see these different markets? Are there fundamental differences? Like what do you look for in teams? Like is are things different or is the end of the day um, all the same and uh, you're just looking for great founders with great ideas? 
I think it's probably the latter. Um, like I would say in Europe and the U.S., um, I probably spend one third of my time in Europe, two thirds in the U.S. We do actually operate out of the same fund for Europe and the U.S. Mm. Um, so at Lightspeed, right. we have separate funds for China and India, um, but for Israel, Europe, the U.S., we're operating operating out of a four point two billion dollar fund um, across early growth and then global growth for us, mm. and um, that. Um, is super important because it does mean that, you know, we hold all investments to the same bar. We are looking for, you know, similar things. We have the same investment committee who, you know, is meeting those companies. Um, And it also means that I believe we can be better board members when we say, hey, you know what, there's an interesting company in Europe you should speak to and partner with or to the Europe companies. Hey, you know, I was on the board of a couple of companies in the US years ago who did something similar and here are some of the learnings for that. So I think that the insights and the learnings um, can be applied across both um, and can only make us stronger. And, you know, so you talk, you said looking for similar things in founders and in companies, uh, but what advice would you give to founders looking to build a a long-term brand that is enduring, especially in a consumer, very consumer-heavy market that that you focus on? I spend a lot of time thinking about brand and helping companies with brand. Um, And to quote Emily Weiss, you know, brand is part science and... um, you know, part magic. Um, And there is, you know, that special something. Um, In some ways, branding is consistency and you have to make sure that there is that consistency of uh, consumer experience. Um, In some ways, brand is, you know, becoming a household name and it is that consumer awareness. Um, But we really like to think about that, like that special something um, that makes you stand out, that makes you unique, really has to be authentic to the founder, to the culture internally, to the product. Um, And so we really try to help companies focus on that. Um, And my main piece of advice um, to founders is to think big. Um, a lot of founders will focus on what's right in front of them. And sometimes, you know, I think the best board members will help you sort of pull up so that you can see the bigger picture um, and you can realize like what your North Star is and what you're really walking towards. Um, You know, when we're each in execution mode, sometimes you can't see the woods for the trees. And uh, I think that's really important to, you know, think big, know what your North Star is. And while you're in execution mode, still just make sure that you are driving towards the bigger goal. Right. So important. Yeah. So you, you said you, you're happy to or you want to talk about portfolio companies and uh, it's always also my favorite topic. So and since you mentioned brand and you work with a lot of founders um, and companies on brand, like is there uh, you know some specific portfolio company that you feel has done an exceptional job at branding and, uh, you know, you spotted that early and have, have helped nurture that or, you know, any anyone that you want to particularly uh, share some words of wisdom around? Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of our companies have been so thoughtful around brand. Um, White Hat changed their name to Multiverse and Virtual Trips changed their name to Hey Go. Um, and actually Corner changed their name to Zap. And so um, I think that it's important for companies to really think, wait a sec, um, 
what is my brand? Who am I? What does mm. this stand for? Does this resonate with consumers? Um, sometimes there's a name change, um, but that's not as important as, you know, really thinking about who you are. Um, as I think about, you know, some of the larger companies, Calm and Cameo have definitely done an excellent job around branding. Um, you know, Calm, um, we've known them for many years. Um, and, you know, the founders are great friends and they are terrific investors, uh, terrific founders, um, you know, real product minds. And um, the brand does come from the product. Um, and it is very consistent with who they are, consistent with um, the product. And um, I think that if you think about Calm today, <coughs> over half of the U.S. knows what Calm is. Um, and wow. that's also that's as a result of them like thinking outside the box as in like, yes, everybody can advertise on Facebook and TV, but like doing it the right way with the right creative is very important. But then calm will go the extra step and they'll say, when are people very stressed? Oh, when they're in an airport, I know, why don't we partner with Express Spa who are in, you know, hundreds of airports in the US and um, make sure that we have, you know, a big calm sign outside every single Express Spa, you know, and come in for a free massage. Um, and that was a great little marketing hack that, you know, further enhanced the brand. Um, and I love it when founders think outside the box in that way. Um, Cameo are doing that in every single aspect of, you know, working with different celebrities, you know, for video shout outs um, and many other Cameo products now. So you can actually speak synchronously with uh, celebrities as well. Um, but um, they are constantly thinking, is this... Is this in line with our brand? Uh, going back to Calm, because you talk about, you know, using celebrities, uh, they use, in a way, influencer marketing in a very interesting way. They've got LeBron James, they've got Matthew McConaughey, uh, you know, reciting the stories. So um, influencer marketing for us um, is a really special way of marketing, especially if it's done in an authentic way. So it's far easier and far cheaper to acquire a customer um, through them, you know, turning a fan into a customer than it is to acquire a brand new customer. And so if you're working with Lady Gaga and, you know, she has, say, 100 million followers, then even if you convert 1% of those to be customers, then great, you've got a million users. Um, you compare that to Facebook, acquiring a million users on Facebook um, when the algorithm's changing for you and, you know, your CAC is going up. Um, you know, I just feel as if, like, it's hard to get that consistency of customer acquisition costs when you're working with those platforms sometimes. So um, we really lean into um, celebrity and influencers, but only when it's done in an authentic way. Uh, so calm partnering with Matthew McConaughey, um, you know, that feels like it's definitely done in an authentic way. Um, and so, yeah, we want to uh, see a lot more of that. Nice. And, and um, you know, this past year, do you th- what, what are the major changes in consumer behavior that you've seen and that you think is here to stay even in this post-COVID world as, as, as things open up? I love that question because um, I do believe that the behaviors that are built up during COVID will be sticky afterwards. Um, And, you know, we will probably go to a hybrid world. um, And what does that look like? Well, that probably looks like where 
yeah, we'll go back to the supermarkets again. Um, but perhaps on the margin, we'll stay um, customers of Instacart a little bit more than we used to, um, you know, or Deliveroo in Europe, um, you know. And so I think that um, the way that um, these companies are able to lock in the behavior now to ensure that it's sticky, now that's when it gets special. So let me give you an example. Instacart, you're thinking, okay, fine, I'll use it now because I don't want to go into the supermarkets. And they give you a, hey, why don't you sign up for a year subscription? So then you're a subscriber, you get free delivery for the next year. So even after you've had the vaccine, you're thinking, oh, well, I actually have the year subscription now. So why don't I stay um, using Instacart? And then because you've used it for a year, you probably will for the next 10 years because that behavior is really ingrained in you. Um, yeah. So there's really smart things like that that companies are doing to ensure that these behaviors are naturally sticky and then also a little bit of uh, enhanced stickiness. Yeah, because they're tied in now, mm-hmm. in a way. <laughs> and, and what excites you, like in terms of, you know, you've seen marketplaces, platform, obviously e-commerce. Uh, what do you think is the next big thing that, that you're looking to invest in or you think that is, go- is going to be big? I do believe that we're um, at the brink of a new social revolution. Um, and so I think that um, the last generation was about looking good through Instagram. The next generation will be about sounding good. Um, and so sounding good can mean so many things, um, which is why we're seeing social versions of fintech companies emerge because people want to sound good um, when they're talking about their stock recommendations. Um as you can see, you know, through the Wall Street bet community um, and everything happening with GameStop. Um, another one is, you know, social angles to travel businesses. Um, and so virtual trips, now Hey Go, um, has done a tremendous job of exactly that. Um, I'd really recommend everybody checks this out, actually. Hey Go, it's um, a cool product where you can do a tour um, of anywhere in the world from the comfort of your home. So you can literally sit at home and be like, oh, I want to go to Brazil today. And there'll be a yeah. tour guide that will take you around um, Brazil. And it's all live. Um, It's just tip supported. So it's a free product to use. Um, And so, you know, social travel companies um, are really exciting. Um, And yeah, you can sound good because you can tell, you know, the piece of information you picked up from that tour guide in Brazil and tell your friends about it. Um, And then also there's, you know, social mental health companies um, or social healthcare companies more broadly. Um, There's a great company called Real, um, R-E-A-L, and um, it's bringing you group therapy um, because group therapy has been applied to alcoholics with Alcoholics Anonymous, but it hasn't been applied to other areas of mental health. And so we're now bringing that you know, to a wider group of people. And it is social because people are messaging and people are talking with one another about it. And so it's great that we really can talk about um, mental health in this way today. So I am definitely excited about more areas of social companies. Yeah, it's quite interesting. I was, uh, when listening to you uh, speak about that theme with such passion, I was uh, struck by the social nature of pretty much everything. So it seems like it's safe to say that this horrific pandemic has actually brought everyone closer and there's this hunger for all things social, which can then permanently change everything. That's that's quite uh, fascinating. Um, okay, I think it's time for our um, closing question here. 
Um, and we wanted to hear from you around, you know, when when are you at your happiest when it comes to your work and working with founders? There must be so many fulfilling moments there. I love meeting. Or is the question the answer? It's like working with founders. That, that, for me, for me, that's it. But. I would say it probably is that, but a bit of a twist on that. So I love meeting people. Um, I love hearing people's stories. Um, I believe in venture capital, you get to learn nuggets of the future um, through the vision of great founders. Um, it's why we invested in the company Lunch Club, because um, it is um, a networking business where it pairs people together through a really smart algorithm um, such that, you know, you meet people who are particularly relevant to you and, you know, what you're searching for. Um, and so I love those conversations. You know, I get on the phone. I'm like, oh, wow, the algorithms matched me with someone really terrific today. Um, and it's lunchclub.com if anyone wants to try it. Um, but that is what I really love in this world, like meeting others, being inspired by others, helping others. Um, and it's never in a, okay, you give me this, I'll give you that way. Uh, that is just something I disagree with. So um, I think it is genuinely wanting to help one another. Um, and, you know, that's how you make a difference. You know, so when we invest in companies, we really try to focus on where we can move the needle um, and where we can actually make a difference to the business. So um, that's what I'm particularly passionate about, um, especially with regards to female founders, you know, all founders. But I'm, um, as you started with our conversation today, diversity is key. <laughs> Absolutely. That's great. So you're extrovert and people bring you energy, especially your founders. It's true. Awesome. Okay. Let well, me throw in a bonus so question. Much. Let me, let okay, me throw in one it. more bonus question. So, sorry. Sure. Um, you know, I, I heard that at Lightspeed you have, um, you know, thesis or, or sorry, let's say promise to founders around being able to move really fast with getting a term sheet out if you have conviction. You know, VCs never love anything better than waiting. Because you get new information, you can time you get time to process things unless there's some pressure, like someone giving out the term sheet. But I, it, I, I understood you kind of live a bit against this uh, uh, premise that I'm laying out here. So um, you know, you really move fast with term sheets to founders, etc. You cannot be called light speed and move slowly. So (laughs) we do believe in moving fast. Um, I also believe that, you know, that's important to founders. You know, we try and do our diligence ahead of time. Um, We really make sure that we are a customer of the product. So we use that product, um, speak to the company, and then we do. We try and move really quickly. Um, And that does mean working long, long hours into the night doing (laughs) our uh, proper diligence. Um, But uh, we want to make sure that, you know, we're there for the founder and the founder's not taking too much time away from their business i.e. what matters most um, in doing a fundraising process. Fantastic. Awesome. It's uh, Founders are the kings and queens of uh, what we do, so mm-hmm. that's the right spirit. So it's called, it's called Lightspeed for a reason. Well, <laughs> okay. So thank you so much, Nicole. You have been listening to the Antla VC Cast with me, Pooja Parwani, and Yusi Salovara. Antler is a global VC firm headquartered in Singapore with 14 locations globally, and we are growing. To learn more about Antler, our portfolio companies, and our philosophy, visit us at www.antler.co or find us on LinkedIn, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Antler Global. Thank you for listening.